1: The Supreme Court permits Biden to repeal Trump's Remain in Mexico policy.
2: The Remain in Mexico policy was just one of the various rules and procedures the Biden administration has revoked.
1: The president urges an ending to the filibuster, but only to codify Roe. I believe we have to codify Roe v. Wade in the law, and the way to do that is to make sure that
0: Congress votes to do that.
1: The NRA holds California's Department of Justice accountable for a data breach of gun owners in L.A. County. We are absolutely horrified. This is the Daybreak Insider Podcast, your first look at today's top stories for Friday, July 1st. I'm Mike Scott. Russian forces have abandoned Snake Island in Ukraine. It is a small and strategic island, the scene of one of the opening salvos of the war in Ukraine, with demands from a Russian warship calling for the Ukrainian defenders to surrender, who boldly replied with an expletive to the Russian warship.
3: A major victory for Ukraine. Russia's defense ministry reports its troops are retreating from a key strategic position in the Black Sea. It's called Snake Island. You may remember it. It's a small piece of land 20 miles off the coast of Odessa in southern Ukraine. Ukrainian forces use new Western weapons to to drive Russian troops out of there. It's a major setback for the Kremlin, no doubt, because Snake Island is near key shipping lanes. This comes as 144 Ukrainian soldiers are set free in a prisoner swap with the Russians. It happened yesterday, according to Ukraine's defense ministry. Ukrainian officials say the majority of the freed soldiers have serious injuries, including burns, broken bones, and amputated legs, or limbs, I should say. Officials say this is the largest prisoner swap between the two countries since Russia invaded Ukraine.
1: Russia says the withdrawal is a gesture of goodwill to prove it was not obstructing grain exports. However, Ukraine and others are dismissing that claim, saying that Moscow continues to shell grain stores. Seized by Russians on the 24th of February, Snake Island is located just 22 miles off Ukraine's coast and within the range of missile, artillery and drone strikes from the shore. Ukraine's armed forces have done exactly that, claiming a series of devastating attacks on the island itself and any vessel bringing troop deployments and heavy weaponry. Meanwhile, Ukraine is rejecting Russian offers to escort grain convoys from Odessa as they would require removing mines from outside the port. Turkey is actively involved in trying to negotiate an agreement with both Russia and Ukraine, but the prospect of that happening appears remote at this stage. Bloomberg's Anne-Marie Horden discusses the Russian withdrawal from the island and the potential impact it may have on the blockade of grain
4: we also need to make sure we remember that what Russia says and does is usually very different What the Ukrainian army is saying that Russia is leaving that island because they have had uh, come under shelling from the Ukrainian military. But what we do know is that there is widespread reporting that Russia is actually stealing Ukrainian grain, taking it to the Black Sea and shipping it off to what Russia deems, quote, friendly countries using these sky high prices due to Russia's invasions of Ukraine, which, of course, Ukraine is considered the breadbasket, especially for European buyers and selling that as their own.
1: Gordon goes on to say that it's important that grain is allowed to be shipped through the Black Sea.
4: This has been a hot topic, not just here at NATO, but also at the G7 summit in the Bavarian Alps, because, of course, it is exacerbating this war in Ukraine, the prices of what we are seeing in grain. And I spoke to the National Security Council's John Kirby yesterday, and what the admiral said to me is to get grain out by the Black Sea is going to take a very long time. They've been able to get some Ukrainian grain out via rail, but to get that Black Sea out and have Ukraine go back to shipping... Uh, via seaborne is going to be incredibly difficult because Russia really controls that area.
1: The next few weeks are seen as pivotal to Ukraine's exports because the next harvest begins in July. The Supreme Court on Thursday curtailed the EPA's powers to restrict greenhouse gas emissions from power plants. It's a decision that could limit the authority of government agencies to address major policy questions without congressional approval. Elaborating on earlier decisions, the high court said federal agencies need explicit authorization from Congress to decide major issues of economic and political significance, drawing on a principle known as the major questions doctrine. Job Creators Network President and CEO Alfredo Ortiz tells the Salem Radio Network he was glad the Supreme Court ruled for small business and not the White House.
5: I absolutely am. If you look at the uh, other previous decisions where uh, government regulatory overreach was in question, uh, it's all come in favor. And, and frankly, you know whether it's greenhouse gas emissions, COVID lockdowns, vaccine mandates, or just a score of other issues, the Biden administration just keeps claiming authority does not
1: possess. Ortiz says he hopes the high court continues to rule against the president's anti-job growth policies.
5: And regardless of what issue we're talking about, we need to roll back Biden's big government policies and really give that certainty to America's small businesses, especially in terms of being able to operate in a climate that's conducive to their growth.
1: Ortiz tells the Salem Radio Network that President Biden is finding out He can't skirt around the rule of law to push his big government agenda through.
5: I mean, it's clear that the Biden agenda is to basically use the regulatory state to basically circumvent Congress. And look, if a federal agency wants to create a program that concerns questions of vast economic or political significance, the agency has to just point to clear authorizing language from Congress.
1: Ortiz says the Biden administration has violated a clear policy to push a big government agenda Through Congress.
5: This has been the biggest problem up to today. If no such clear authorizing language exists, the agency has violated the major questions doctrine. And I know you know what that is, and that's a critical part uh, of all these decisions to date.
1: The court handed down another ruling Thursday, giving President Joe Biden a small victory, ruling he can shut down a Trump administration program designed to restrict immigration at the southern border. The court sent in a 5-4 ruling that the Biden administration acted properly in seeking to end the Remain in Mexico policy, formerly known as the Migrant Protection Protocol. It required people seeking asylum at the southern border, mainly from Central America, to wait in Mexico while their claims were decided. Writing for the majority, Chief Justice John Roberts said a lower court overreached when it found the policy had to remain in place, Mark Burnovich, the attorney general for the state of Arizona and a Senate candidate, joined Fox News to discuss that ruling.
2: Obviously, it was a very disappointing decision. You know, we were part of the coalition that was. Uh, trying to force the Biden administration to do whatever it can to secure our southern border. We've talked about the catastrophe and the chaos that's happening. And the Remain in Mexico policy was just one of the various rules and procedures the Biden administration has revoked, which has led to the crisis and the catastrophe. So it's very disappointing. And, you know, frankly, I am a bit worried that, especially with Justice Roberts, that sometimes they're so worried about political pressure and the blowback that they've seen in some of these other cases that an effort to look not non-political, they're making decisions that I think that are, you know, contrary to uh, the law.
1: Brnovich goes on to say that the recent protests at the homes of justices have impacted the Supreme Court.
2: I can't put my mind or myself in the mind of any Supreme Court justice, but the reality is, is that Justice Roberts is an institutionalist. He believes very strongly in the court as an institution, and when he sees protesters, you know, at, at justices' homes endangering the lives, death threats coming to people like Justice Alito just for doing their job, I think that causes him a lot of concern. And what I think or what I worry is happening is that, in an effort to quote, quote depoliticize the court, mm-hmm. he's actually making the court more political. And so I think it's a it's an unfortunate irony in his effort to try to protect the institution. He's it's time. Times making it more political because the reality is is that whether you're conservative or liberal what the biden administration is doing on our southern border in other instances we did win the epa case today is they're basically trying to systematically uh, unilaterally rewrite u.s law and undermine our border security so the court needs to step up and make those tough decisions that's why they have lifetime appointments
1: Meantime, the president endorsed making an exception to filibuster rules to pass legislation codifying Roe v. Wade into law, an effort that would face obstacles because of key Democrats' opposition to the move. The first and foremost thing we should do is make
0: it clear how outrageous this decision was and how much it impacts not just on women's woman's right to choose, which is a critical, critical piece, but on privacy generally, on privacy generally. And so uh, I'm going to be talking to uh, to the governors as to what actions they think I should be taking as well. And uh, but the most important thing to be clear about is we have to change. I believe we have to codify Roe v. Wade in the law. And the way to do that is to make sure the Congress votes to do that. And if the filibuster gets in the way, it's like voting rights. It should be. We provide an exception for this, for The except the require an exception to the filibuster for this action.
1: Changing the filibuster rules of the Senate would allow pro-abortion legislation to pass the chamber with 51 votes rather than the 60 votes usually required for bills to advance. The filibuster could be changed with a simple majority vote, but not all Democrats in the 50-50 Senate are on board with such a move, saying it would fundamentally change the nature of the Senate, and could backfire if the GOP takes control of the chamber. New Hampshire Senator Jean Shaheen says she will not speculate right now about whether the Senate will move to eliminate the filibuster outright or simply make an exception for a particular bill.
4: I voted to end it, but it didn't pass, so we may take it up again or we may not.
1: Senate Majority Whip Dick Durbin says it's not practical to expect a filibuster change, given some Democrat opposition.
2: The notion of changing the rules is really at the mercy of one or two senators who can uh, make that decision for us. Uh, So that doesn't create the kind of environment where one of the reporters asked for massive institutional change. This is not the political environment to be looking for that.
1: Andrew McCarthy is a senior fellow at the National Review Institute and a National Review contributing editor and a former assistant U.S. attorney for the state of New York. And he says the move would be short-sighted.
6: He's always been, uh, certainly during his time in the Senate, he was uh, very strongly against uh, a reform of any kind of filibuster. Uh, and, you know, the history of this is that when uh, Democrats and progressives kind of let their id get in front of them and, uh, you know, move off the filibuster for this or that thing, it, it tends to blow up on them in short order. So I think this is a, a one of these things where it's um, it's very short sighted to uh, to broach this. I, I I hope it doesn't go anywhere.
1: McCarthy warns Democrats that if they do away with the filibuster, they are likely to get bit by it.
6: People should understand there is no one-time uh, break of the filibuster. Uh as Senator McConnell has said any number of times, um, you know, the filibuster is an all or nothing proposition uh and they're not going to selectively break it for one thing or another as the you know, as progressives go down their wish list. Uh and if they open this Pandora's box, I think you know, uh, once again, in short order, they stand to get bit back by it.
1: In a defeat for Governor Ron DeSantis and the GOP-controlled legislature there, Florida judge said Thursday he will temporarily block a new law that would prohibit all abortions in the state after 15 weeks of pregnancy. The law, which provides no exceptions for victims of rape, incest, or human trafficking, was approved by legislators and signed into law by DeSantis in April. It is scheduled to take effect on Friday. At a news conference, Florida's governor disagreed with Judge John C. Cooper's temporary block, keeping the state's abortion ban from taking effect.
7: So it was not anticipate, unanticipated. It was not, of course, something you know that we were happy to see. And when you talk about uh, these, um, you know, these are unborn babies that have heartbeat, they can feel pain, they can suck their thumb, and to say that the the state constitution mandates things like dismemberment abortions, I just don't think that's the proper interpretation.
1: The Florida governor says the judge's temporary block in the state will immediately be appealed.
7: We did have a ruling um, in Tallahassee uh, effectively enjoining uh, the bill that we provided, though that I signed to provide protections uh, for unborn babies at 15 weeks. And we knew that that was likely going to be what what was decided in that case. Uh, We knew that we were going to have to uh, move forward um, and and, and continue the legal battle on that. And that's something that was decided under state law.
1: The National Rifle Association said the California Department of Justice put law-abiding gun owners at risk after a recent data breach exposed the personal information of thousands of gun owners. We are absolutely horrified. The California DOJ confirmed the breach on Wednesday, which revealed the names and other personal information for thousands of people who were granted or denied concealed carry permits between 2011 and 2021. The breach followed an update to the state's firearms dashboard portal on Monday. The breach reportedly revealed names, date of birth, gender, race, driver's license number, addresses, and criminal history. Sam Paredes, the executive director of Gun Owners of California, says they want the attorney general to step down.
0: We are calling for Attorney General Rob Bonta's resignation because he has clearly been unable to uh, control his agency. There are actually lawsuits already making their way through the process,
1: challenging privacy issues against the attorney general. Corey Honia, president of the California State Sheriff's Association, says that the breach makes it more likely that the firearms exposed in the breach will be stolen. At the end of the day, um, I think that uh, there's been a real loss of peace of mind
7: on the part of many law-abiding citizens uh, and now they have to be concerned about it falling into the wrong hands and being used in a way that causes them harm.
1: Rick Travis is from the Rifle and Pistol Association and says they're demanding someone be held accountable.
2: We are getting them to write letters to the AG demanding a full investigation, demanding that someone's held accountable or somebody's are held accountable and that we get to the bottom of this and we make sure this never ever happens again.
1: A measure of inflation that is closely tracked by the Federal Reserve jumped 6.3% in May from a year earlier, unchanged from its level in April. More on this from our Daybreak Insider, Bernie Bennett, in Washington. Thursday's report from the Commerce Department provided the latest
7: evidence that painfully high inflation is pressuring American households and inflicting particular harm on low-income families and people of color. The government's report also said that consumer spending rose at a sluggish 0.2% rate from April to May. Consumer spending is beginning to weaken in the face of high inflation, but it's still helping fuel inflation itself, especially as demand grows for services ranging from airline tickets and hotel rooms to restaurant meals and new and used autos. Bernie Bennett in Washington.
1: UCLA and Southern Cal are planning to leave the Pac-12 for the Big Ten Conference It is a surprising move that could lead to another major shakeup of college sports. A person who has been briefed on the discussions between USC, UCLA, and the Big Ten said the schools have taken steps to request an invitation to join the conference. And Daybreak Insider's Dave Ferry has more on this developing sports story.
5: UCLA and Southern Cal are planning to leave the Pac-12 for the Big Ten. A person who has been briefed on the discussions between the Trojans, Bruins, and the Big Ten tells the Associated Press that the schools have taken steps to request an invitation to join the conference. The move would come as soon as 2024, after the Pac-12's current media rights contract with Fox and ESPN expire. That would increase the size of the Big Ten to 16 schools. Pac-12 schools received less than $20 million each in fiscal year 2021, compared to more than $46 million for Big Ten universities. I'm Dave Ferry.
1: And finally, nearly six months after the launch of the James Webb Space Telescope, astronomers have started receiving images from the powerful telescope showing the far reaches of the universe. Dr. Becky Smethurst is an astrophysicist at the University of Oxford and is over the moon about the announcement.
8: The first science images from the James Webb Space Telescope are set to be released on the 12th of July, 2022. And it's fair to say that excitement levels in the astrophysics community are rising rapidly.
1: Not only is NASA scheduled to release images from the telescope, but according to Dr. Smethurst, They'll release data from other science projects as
8: well. Not only are we going to get a data showcase of what each detector on board the telescope can do, but also all the data from early release science projects will also get released. In fact, that data is being taken right now as I film. I've heard from colleagues who said their data is slowly trickling in for one of these successful early-release science projects, like, for example, the Sears survey, which is targeting a huge range of sky to find as many distant galaxies as possible.
1: Dr. Smethurst explains the sneak peek that NASA released on Thursday.
8: We have had the odd scrap of data thrown our way by NASA just to tease us. Like this sneak peek of data from MIRI, one of the four instruments on board the telescope, which I got very excited when I saw, I think if I'm being honest with myself, I'm most excited for MIRI data. So this sneak peek shows images of a star at infrared wavelengths to show how clear it is compared to the previous data we've had at that wavelength. And even better, a little sneak peek of a spectrum from MIRI, where you split the light through a prism to make a trace of how much each wavelength of light you detect.
1: Dr. Smethurst explains why the Webb Space Telescope is very special.
8: Why is MIRI specifically so special? MIRI is what's known as an integral field unit instrument, an IFU. So unlike, you know, maybe a traditional telescope that might just take one observation of the sky, one single spectrum of one galaxy or one star or whatever it is, MIRI mosaics up the sky to take many spectrum all at once, so that you get a spectrum at every single pixel. Or another way to think about it is that it's an image at every single wavelength. And that could be a mosaic of one specific object or across a huge swath of the sky.
1: In the intervening months, the telescope, considered the world's most powerful, has traveled nearly one million miles from Earth.